Greetings to all of you all. I'm grateful that you all are here with us tonight, and I hope that you all are also in excellent spirit. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, Mishpaka. And before we go into tonight's class, we are going to look at some news reports, which will help us to sharpen ourselves and to prepare and to be stronger in these last days. So let's have a word of prayer. And we'll ask a blessing upon each and every one of you all and also our class for tonight. Blessed are you, Yahweh, our Elohim, King of the universe. Father, I'm grateful to you for your love and your mercy, which truly endures forever. Asking your blessings upon each and every one of us to protect us and to safeguard our families from evil uh, and evil spirits protect our children, our older ones, our marriages. Father, you know how fragile life is, and I pray that you will bless us and keep us, that we may live in the light and love of your word. May your name be glorified forever. In Yeshua's name, amen. Hallelujah. Again, greetings, Mishpaka. Grateful that you all are here uh, tonight. So, the heathens love affair with death. Well, let's take a look at some news briefs, and then we're going to get into our class about something that we all already know. You know very well that um, I have some classes on YouTube with regards to Halloween, and I figured that hey, before uh, before we let the time come in, we want to kind of um, refresh a few things, but also share some new insights to the mindset of the heathen, and to be able to draw a line, a very clear, distinctive line between us and also the heathen, that there is definitely a big difference, and um, we should point that out so our people will not feel that we are somewhat, you know, the same as these heathen and whatnot. So let's take a look at some news reports. Let's go into today's news. Recently in the news, they're talking about a chaos map which shows violent deaths will soar in 10 years due to food and water shortages. Can you imagine that, Mishpaka? The researchers say the number of deaths due to conflict and rioting caused by food, water, and fuel shortages is likely to uh, increase rapidly over the next 10 years years. So the researchers, the analysts have been gathering data and looking at politics, looking at religions, looking at uh, the different mindsets of people, and have already assessed that there will be riots because of food, water, and also fuel issues. Prices will rise. There'll be shortages. So here's the map. Here's the map. And it's showing all the places that will have turmoil. By scanning reports covering food, water, and fuel insecurities, shocked, published since 2005, the team have plotted data for violent deaths, riots, and armed conflict. Now, you know very well, as of late, we've been seeing a lot of Riots in, uh, for example, I think uh, Chile, Chile, 
Uh, we have Greece. We have different places in Europe. Uh, you have certain places in South America. I mean, it's this, this thing is rising, even here in America. And brothers and sisters, the Bible says that we need to go like the ants. Think like the ant and go and see what the ant is doing when it sees that the winter, when the cold or the harsh season is coming, to prepare themselves. And we as Israelites awaken into the truth. We are supposed to prepare ourselves for the things that is to come. We don't know all of what's going to happen. But brothers and sisters, we have to be ready. I remember years ago, I got dressed early in the morning, heading out to work. And within, let's see, I got to work for 7 o'clock in the morning. Early that same morning, people were running downstairs because we had like um, the gym room in the office building, have these TV screens everywhere. And we're talking about something is going on in New York. So we all went downstairs to see what was happening, and we can see the pictures of the planes flying into the buildings. And within that same day, Mishpaka, things had changed and still is changed to this very day. And that thing happened so quickly. Now, my company at the time had their cash reserves or the cash supply in Bank of America below the World Trade Center. So the company was kind of um, in a situation where they had to lay off people. And I can remember that a month later, because that was in September, a month later, they called all the peoples together, the whole office together, all the staff together and says, well, we got to make some cutbacks. All the temp people you got to go. So that was the first wave that happened. The next month after that, they call another meeting again. And this time I was standing there because I just started to work for the company. <laughs> I just started working for the company. And um, so we all lined up against the wall like prisoners for lineup. And I'm thinking, well, hey, I was... I think I was probably like the last, second to last hired or something like that. And I say, hey, you know what? we be the most high's will. I thank the most high for my short-lived opportunity. But I, I leave everything in his hands, Mishpaka. And um, when the cuts came through, most high preserved me that I was able to continue working. And I thank the most high that, that he protected my livelihood, that I can be able to provide for my family. But what I'm saying to you, uh, brothers and sisters, that when we see, sometimes we think that um, we, have, we always have a lot of time that we can play around with, but things happen overnight. You can go to sleep tonight, and while you're sleeping, revolution can take place during the night. And you can find yourself scrambling for toothbrushes and toilet paper and a little you know, little Walmart plastic bag trying to run out of your house for safety. You never know what can happen. So when these people talk about these things happening around the world, we have to keep our minds ourselves ready, not be fearful of things, but always be prepared because Israel is supposed to be a ready people, okay, ready. 
As the Bible says, we should pray without season and watch and pray. Also in the news, they're talking about more fires still raging over in California and bracing for the biggest blackouts yet. So the people in California, you know, they have been going through nothing but blackouts and fires and more fires and more fires and more fires and and such like. It's just getting from bad to worse. I know of people who once lived in those beautiful hills of California that they had to pack up and actually leave that state because of the fires and also it's getting pretty expensive to live out there. And you can imagine the price of insurance being risen up because of all of these fires. So the um, power companies, uh, PG&E, decided that um, to prevent more fires from from happening, we're going to shut off the power, the power grid, so that if there's any power lines going down, that's not going to cause more sparks and um, create uh, more chaos. But the problem is, Mishpika, is that uh, many people are living uh, with the use of either uh, dialysis machine, oxygen machine. A lot of people are dependent upon these machines to preserve their lives and whatnot. And without these machines, they will be dead. I think some time ago, a person had uh, lost their life when the power went off. And so this is a very, very serious thing. And I, I pray for our brothers and sisters over there that they will be protected by the Most High and uh, even even relocate to a different place because all of these things, family, are signs of the times. You know, the people believe that they can control weather. If that be the case, then where are the rains to out the fires? Why do they need this red powder? to drop all over the hillside and stuff. You see, so they think themselves to be great, but they are nothing. And our Elohim is letting them know that he is the one in charge. Also in the news, the Guardian newspaper uh, talks about mind-reading technology, how private companies could gain access to our brains. Social media companies can already use online data to make reliable guesses about pregnancy hmm, or suicidal ideation. And new BCI technology will push this even further. So, again, the technology is making it more easier for them to pry into uh, the minds of people, even the said telepathic. Can you imagine that? And with the 5G technology and all of these things coming into place, Mishpaka, we're not going to have too many places for us to run and hide, okay? So what they're talking about, believe you me, they already have something in the works. Also in the news, now, as of late, Mishpaka, I have noticed that there have been a lot of talk about a civil war if the president gets impeached. A second American civil war. 
Now, this is some serious business. They've been talking about a race war for a long time. They believe that uh, if the president himself decides it, if the left goes to one side, the right goes to one side, or, or whatever, there will be a civil war within the United States of America. Now, it is interesting that many years ago, the people who call themselves Republicans today used to be known as the left back in the days of Abraham Lincoln. And the Democrats were known as the right. Democrats were the ones who, back in the day, were pushing for segregation. They were pushing for slavery. The Democrats were. And the Republicans were the ones who were trying to ease up um, the whole slavery thing and racial uh, problems and, and things like that within this country. But then after a while, there was a shift where the Democrats became the left and the Republicans became the right. There were more uh, so-called black people that were, were Republicans. Pretty much all black people were Republicans. I don't know of any that were Democrats at the time. And many of uh, these so-called black people held different offices and whatnot until the European Gentiles here in America pushed laws and tried to remove black power from this country. There's a documentary you can check out about, I think it's South Carolina, how it used to be a stronghold with a lot of um, black Republicans. And um, they got driven out of town. They lost their power. They were threatened with mobs, you name it. So now we find in the news that, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty with regards to this president of the United States. And you have this uh, umpire who reportedly threatened civil war over impeachment. There he is right, right here. Okay. So umpire Rob Drake looks on during baseball game between the Atlanta Braves and the Washington Nationals at Nationals Park on September 14, 2019 in Washington, D.C. So this guy is uh, talking about uh, a civil war and whatnot. And let me just go to another article, which is similar. According to the Washington Examiner, this says Battleground 7, 7 in 10 say U.S. on the edge of civil war. This is some very serious stuff, brothers and sisters. So, uh, very few people are actually talking about this in the news. I've seen some Hebrews who, uh, during their talk shows, have mentioned it. I've seen some Gentiles talk about it. As far as the... Um, general public, very few people even know about this, uh, this brewing thing that's happening. And what do you think will happen to our people? Most of our people, well, pretty much we're scattered all over, but a lot of our people are here in the South, especially in Atlanta, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia. We got a lot of Hebrews over in Florida, Texas, and whatnot pretty much in the south because the weather is warmer and historically speaking this is where 
most of the plantations were and most of where our people family families um, resided during the time of slavery. I'm sharing this with you all because I believe that we cannot sit comfortable and don't believe that something can happen, a revolution can happen overnight. We've often heard the term Jacob's trouble. We don't know. Uh, I mean, we have had studies. People have had studies on that, talking about it's already passed. Some saying, well, it's going to happen in the future. We don't know all the details, Mishpaka. All we know is that we ought to be prepared and ready for whatever is going to come down the pipeline. And if they're talking about a civil war, where would you go? And are you prepared to uh, be on the run? You know, people today have more guns than ever. But bullets are something that can always run out. And I've seen and heard, and I'm sure you all have also, where many of the heathen, the Gentiles, have stockpiled ammunition for decades. They've been stockpiling this stuff polishing their guns. They got all kinds of guns, been collecting guns. Every time there's a gun show, they go out to these shows, knives. They got dynamite. They know how to build bombs. I mean, <laughs> they go to training in the, um, in the woods. They buy land. They have bunkers. I mean, they're prepared for chaos on this earth. And um, they said they're going to fight, they'll get together um, with the militias and whatnot and fight. And there are a lot of police officers who are actually part of the same set of people. Um, there are some Hebrews who also themselves are preparing. They got their little weapons. They got their little stuff. But they are being watched by the government, as you all know. And when the time comes, you know, the probability of the government knocking on their doors and confiscating everything is very high. Okay? So please be mindful of the news. Don't be like the rest of the Hebrews who are drawn away with entertainment and sports of different kinds. Uh, we, we got to be vigilant, always watching, being prepared and uh, living as pilgrims until our Messiah returns. In the news, it says, Wacky Robot Hotel admits, admits its bedside cameras could have exposed guests to peeping hackers. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised whatsoever. You know, back in the old days, if someone stole your, I'm talking about 60s, 70s, uh, 50s, 40s, if someone stole your library card, that was an intrusion. And use your library card, that was serious business back in the day. Now, today, people lose their wallets. They lose their stuff all the time. And they are not so much concerned. But nowadays, we find that we are always under the watchful eye. And when you think there's nothing big about it, no big deal, as you can see, <laughs> Things are watching and uh, recording information and whatnot, and we have to be mindful of that. And, of course, 
they're going to start putting these cameras everywhere. Hotel rooms is going to have it too, everywhere. And, uh, and there's going to be a time when the only place Hebrews is going to be able to find a hotel room will be at another Hebrews house. <laughs> so make sure Israel, that you got a clean room just in case a Hebrew says, listen, I'm, I'm traveling over to Virginia and I need, I need to rest my head. I'll, I'll pay uh, whatever the hotels are paying. I'll pay that um, for a few nights stay at your house, if you don't mind, uh, because I don't want to deal with robots peeking into my room. And I definitely don't want to deal with the Hedon's bed bugs and whatnot. So these are the things <laughs> that, that are happening, okay? So let's move on to our next article. It's going to go through briefly. Also in the news, Texas jury rules against divorced dad trying to stop seven-year-old son's gender transition. Can you imagine that, Mishpaka? This father was divorced from his wife, and so the child spends time with the mother. And the mother now, I guess through hatred, being a witch herself, has been putting ideas into the son's mind, talking about he's a girl, put on makeup on him, dressing him up in girl's clothing, giving him a hormone therapy to medically castrate the young boy. The boy's called Luna. <laughs> what else does it have here? So the mother is now trying to get the boy to be changed over to become a girl. You know, and the father's been fighting this. And the courts, the jury, what's going on in Texas? What's going on in Texas? I thought Texas was very conservative. What's happening in the Texas family? It looks like Hebrews is going to have to start leaving Texas. And if possible, make sure you have enough gasoline to uh, just drive through the state and not stop over there because there's so much uh, madness that is happening over there. So, again, this is the times that we live, brothers and sisters, and I am not surprised whatsoever. And I'm asking you all to be strong because, uh, you know, the people are definitely trying to change society into a crazy, perverted, messed up society. They want to destroy the earth and they want everything else to be destroyed along with themselves. China's pig Ebola epidemic leads to increased demand for dog meats. Now the Chinese themselves have been also exporting pork here into the U.S., and if, they're, if they can't export, because a lot of the pork has been banned um, by different countries and whatnot, and if they can't, and you know, the Chinese are very good at um, changing things around. Plastic rice, you have, um, what is that? Um, fake uh, black pepper, fake this and fake that. So... Uh, you can imagine that they're probably going to be using dog's meat. And once they fix it up, it's going to come over uh, to different countries as pork 
or different things. So if our brothers and sisters haven't stopped from eating pork, well, oh boy, oh boy, I feel sorry for them. They might be eating dog pretty soon. And um, again, because of the uh, trade war between the U.S. and China, uh, pork prices have risen, and now the uh, Chinese are looking to exercise their right to eat these unclean foods. And you see, again, this is the reason why the Most High forbid Israel to be married to certain people because of it's, it's part of their culture. You know, you might have a, a Chinese woman who might love the Most High, but at some point in time, your child might want to go home to see grandma over in um, Beijing. And while over in Beijing, <laughs> grandma might say, I want to prepare you the family meal. It's good, good stuff. And because her English is so bad, she only understands hello and um, good night. And it's very simple English. You know, you might ask her grandma, um, what, uh, what kind of meat are you using? I, I don't eat certain things. I only eat beef. And grandma says, yes, 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 beef, 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 beef. Yes, beef. And make some beef bow wow. <laughs> and while you are waiting for the meal, you're hearing, woo, you're hearing something hollering in the back. You hear a little whimper. You hear a stir fries going on in the kitchen. And the meal looks pretty good, all the different uh, chives and um, you know, celery and carrots is in the pot. And you say, wow, that's, that's a wonderful meal. Thank you, Grandma. She says, yeah. So you say, she, she, thank you. She, thank you, Grandma. Thank you. Ah, and you don't even know that you are entertaining or being entertained with dog meat or cat full young. You don't even know. So... Yes, brothers and sisters, when the Most High warns us about certain things, we, we really got to pay attention. You know, if you like Chinese food, I suggest that you learn to make it your own self. And uh, because, you know, they, they put together some pretty good stuff in terms of the, um, the way that they cook the food and whatnot. But unfortunately, the unclean stuff is what really, you know, make this their, their cuisine a very bad one. Anyway, let's move on. Other news reports. Recently in the, in the news, uh, there was a migrant mass murder where they found this, um, this lorry of this truck filled with 39 Chinese migrants in the back of this truck. This heathen right here, they arrested him on suspicion of murder. So they're still investigating this whole thing. Uh, it might be a ring of people. He might not even know what was going on in the back. But, of course, this guy has been arrested for 39 people that were in the back of this truck over in, um, in, in the U.K. And I'm sure our brothers and sisters over the U.K. have heard about this. If not, here it is on the screen. You can see this news report. And a lot of times we are not aware of what's happening. But there are people who hate the idea of migrants coming into their country. However, they don't mind going into other people's country and taking their natural resources and whatnot. They feel 
that they have the right to go into other people's countries whenever they feel like it. So now that this thing is re- being reversed, where people are coming into their country, they don't like it so much. And as you can see, you have all these murders, you have these arrests that are taking place. The people are, the Europeans are trying to push these people out from their country. Also in the news, look at this madness. The Guardian newspaper is now showing that over in Afghanistan, Taliban fighters in makeup, Barbican to show rare pictures. This is madness. You all see this thing? You see this sodomite stuff? Now, the Taliban are some hardcore people that do not put up with this kind of a death style. And they've been pushing for the longest time to, to keep Western ideology out of their country. They don't want to have entertainment in terms of Western entertainment. They don't want to have a lot of stuff over there. They don't want their children's minds to be, you know, polluted with stuff. And here goes. And this is what the Western world has been bringing uh, everywhere that they have been going to. This sodomite uh, lifestyle or death style, they've been pushing this stuff for a very long time. I mean, come on now. This is crazy. This is madness. Also in the news, scariest haunted house in U.S. requires 40-page waiver, doctor's note, and also a safe word. Can you imagine that, Mishpika? And we're going to go into this stuff also. The people are so happy about death, Mishpika, that it requires a 40-page waiver. Before you go into this place, you got to sign these paperwork. You need a doctor's note to check your heartbeat, your stress levels. And then you also need to have a safe word. So when the devil is on you, you can tell the devil, please let me go, let me go, let me go. We'll talk about that too, so let's just leave that for now. But, you know, (laughs) brothers and sisters, what's wrong with these people? What's wrong with this world? All right, let's move on. Also, in the Christian Post, 69 people rescued from chains, cages, and torture at Christian Ministry in Trinidad, police says. Can you believe that other Hebrews, I believe there are Hebrews, who are enslaving other Hebrews, it says in the largest human trafficking ring in the country, the largest, some 69 people were rescued Wednesday from a life of chains cages and torture at a Christian ministry in a twin island nation of Trinidad and Tobago in a case local police describe as slavery in the largest human traffic trafficking ring in the country. Have you all heard about this? Anyone in the chat room have heard about this? Police announced that they rescued 65 men and four women from the transformed life ministry Rehabilitation Center in 
Aruka, I hope I pronounced it correctly, Trinidad, during a sting operation Wednesday morning. The victims were ranged in ages from 20 to their 60s, and most of them were found in cages and some handcuffs. Some of them say they have been tortured. It is such a bigger, bigger picture with profit being made out of this. Family members deliberately sending their loved ones here and extracting the profits from the families, Griffith said. Um, you know, I've been watching a lot of stuff happening over in Trinidad and Tobago. And I've been seeing a lot of uh, flooding, earthquakes, flooding, hurricanes, you name it, has been passing through that land, tearing up the place for a while. I want to share with you all something also. The Paparo mud volcano continues to be a source of worry to residents in the area. They say it hisses day and night, and as a result, they feel panicky. The surveillance team from the University of the West Indies, headed by Xavier Munan, continues to monitor activity coming from the geological phenomenon. What the last week is that the fractures around and near the vent of the mud volcano itself, they're widening, especially the fractures on the southern side. There is a, a constant hit of gas coming out of the, the main vent and there's bubbles of um, you can see lots of bubbling occurring on some of the cracks further to the west and to the south. But this um, amount of gas that's coming out now has significantly decreased from two weeks ago. Mr. Munan explains that we are only seeing a small part of the volcano and underneath the earth, it stretches for acres. That's why he says it's risky to be in the vicinity. Mr. Munan says that the volcano is on a very active fault and the movement therein is causing the residents' houses to crack. However, he says those geological forces cannot be stopped and the team continues to observe all that is taking place. So, Jay said that it's a mud volcano. It spews up from time to time. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't live in Trinidad, so I wouldn't know, but... When I saw all those cracks, and maybe someone can take a little walk over there and, and confirm what it is, but it might be something new because of the, the way those cracks are and whatnot. But if it's a mud volcano, it's a volcano. <laughs> There's something underneath, and that's something that needs to be really considered. So this stuff is no joke, uh, brothers and sisters. It's no joke whatsoever. Okay, Ms. Picasso. so we have the heathen who have a love affair with death. And I've always, as a child, I've always been baffled and asking myself, what is wrong with these people? Every movie that they put out, there's some glorification of death. Zombies, television shows, commercial ads, even when you go to the Food Network and you, you want to look at some cooking competitions or something, they spent a the whole month having what you call Halloween wars and whatnot, uh, vampire glorification and all that, that crazy stuff. It seems like the people are just bent on wickedness, nor find uh, zombies you can see with the shows. The best zombie TV show ranked, uh, Ash and the Evil Dead, Zombie Chronicles, you name it. The Living Dead, 
Black Summer, it's everywhere. The people are fascinated with glorifying evil. You got the vampire side of things, vampire diaries. You know, this fascination among these people with gory stuff seems to be something spiritual. It seems to be something way deep within their souls. Uh, I mean, we don't have to really ask too many questions, but all you have to do is go into the Word of the Most High, and you're going to see how the people within their core, they're just bent on evil. So here goes HGTV Halloween shows, All-Star Halloween Spectacular. You got uh, Halloween Wars, how to cook stuff for um, for trick-or-treats. You name it. The people are bent on wickedness alone, family. I want to go to the book of Jubilees, chapter 15. I must say, family, that, again, when I was a child, I used to be kind of baffled over why these people are always putting out movies. You have Dark Shadow back in the 70s, 60s and 70s. You have The Monsters as a comedy. Casper the Friendly Ghost. Uh, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> what else? Give me some of the shows. I mean, is there so many shows that the people are so intrigued with um, death and violence of all kinds, the omen, uh, Halloween, the killing shows. Uh, what else? Um, Jason, Freddy Krueger. Fright Night, you name it. The birds, there you go. Some of that, that's the old stuff. Yeah, Brother Miles, they love the occult. They're just simply fascinated with evil. You know, every time, every time we return back to the, to the Word, to the Bible, the Most High gives us a very clear picture of who these people really are. When the Lord said, and the Mosai said in Deuteronomy chapter 28, that these people will not regard either the old or the young, a fierce people. I don't think we really understood, our foreparents actually understood what they're going to get themselves into. Imagine that the Mosai spent 40 years warning Israel, and then after that, you had all of the kings, and during the time of the kings, even amongst the two, the division of the two kingdoms, northern and southern kingdom, he spent his time warning Israel not to mess up because what's coming is going to be worse than your regular captivity, Babylon and Assyria. It's going to be worse than that. If you thought Egypt was bad, just wait until you find yourself with the Western Gentiles. And brothers and sisters, these people have no mercy whatsoever. These are a fierce people that seems to be disconnected with even animals themselves. Okay, so let's read the book of Jubilees, chapter 15. So when I got into Jubilees, and I thank the Most High for allowing me and you to have access to these scrolls, that's the time that it really cleared a lot of the mess. That's the time that it, it, it started to make a lot of sense to me. 
So let's read. Uh, we'll start at verses 28. And do thou command the children of Israel, and let them observe the sign of this covenant for the generations as an eternal ordinance, mm -hmm. and they will not be rooted out of the land. For the command is ordained for a covenant, that they should observe it forever among all the children of Israel. So the Most High was trying to protect our people from being swamped into the ways of the heathen. And he, he gave us his word, his Torah, which is to instruct us in how we should live. Verses uh, 30. For Ishmael and his sons and his brothers and Esau, the Lord did not cause to approach him. And he chose them not because they are the children of Abraham, because he knew them, but he chose Israel to be his people. So the Most High, even though Esau and Ishmael are from the seed of Abraham, he made them into separate nations. The Most High was selecting the seed and separating what he wanted for himself. And I know people like to always say, well, oh, these are the children of Abraham. Yes. But Ishmael went into a different direction, and Esau definitely went a different direction. Uh, let's continue on, verses 31. And he sanctified it, and gathered it from amongst all the children of men. Mm -hmm. For there are many nations and many peoples, and all are his. And all are his. And over all hath he placed spirits in authority to lead them astray from him. So the Most High gave certain spirits, put them in into position to lead astray those other nations. So it makes a lot of sense to me why these nations behave the way that they do. I have been watching news reports over in India and seeing how it's, it seems to be like occurring on a regular basis where children are born just like the gods that the people worship. You have these gods with ten arms and different things like that, and then these babies are born with six arms and ten legs and all kinds of crazy stuff, two heads, three heads, a tail, and the people set those children up as gods. They're saying that the gods has taken over the bodies of the children, and we're seeing the manifestation of the gods here, and they worship them. So, uh, brothers and sisters, you know, we are living in some serious times. Let's read verses 32. But over Israel he did not appoint any angel or spirit, for he alone is their ruler, and he will preserve them and require them at the hand of his angels and his spirits, mm -hmm. and at the hand of all his powers, in order that he may preserve them and bless them, and that they may be his, and he may be theirs from henceforth forever. In other words, brothers and sisters, the Most High left, as far as the instructions are concerned, over to the other spirits. But as for Israel, he himself gave the instruction. So if we get an angel coming our way, it has to be sent by the Most High directly. It has to be sent by the Most High directly. Like Gabriel and Michael and different angels that the Most High deal with. But as far as the um, contrary way of the Most High, that's done by the fallen spirits. All right? So... Brothers and sisters, you all know very well when you turn on a television, you can see all these things happening. You can see that within the, the culture of these people, they're definitely fascinated with evil. Even their music itself shows that these people have a culture of evil. 
this is just an example of many of these so-called groups that glorify death and destruction. I mean, you look at the album covers, you don't see anything about life. You've seen horror, you've seen uh, chaos, demons, satanic symbols, witchcraft, werewolves, skulls and bones and axes and blood and guts, toilets, you name it. Everything that is gory, hell, they just love Satan. All kinds of goat-headed beasts, zombies. They seem to be fascinated with, with gore. I, I don't even know what to say, Mishpaka, but this is the mindset of these people. All the album covers, look at this one, heavy metal. A satanic child was born. Look at this stuff. They just glorify death. For some reason, they just love it. And when our people associate themselves with these people, we find that that same spirit goes into our children, and the children struggles with, with these things. I, I know a lot of people who are from what you call mixed marriages, and I've seen how their children behave themselves. I've seen how their children are fascinated with guns, violence. They're fascinated with gory stuff. They're always talking about getting wasted, talking suicidal thoughts, um, going out and blowing somebody brains out, all kinds of talk. And, and, and just have a different type of spirit. And, hey, I, I can't make this stuff up. I'm just telling you what I have observed. And maybe you have observed it too. I'm not saying all of them are like that, but I've seen this to be something common among them, especially when I was in high school. I used to be in uh, music a lot. And I remember one time I... I uh, went with this Gentile guy to play, to do some rehearsal because I, you know, I wanted to do some music rehearsals. So I went to his home and um, when I got to his, um, we went into his basement, I was playing bass guitar at the time. I was a young, you know, young, young man. He had a, a shelf filled with guitars and he says, hey, choose one. And I picked the bass that I wanted and he put on some music that my brain could not tolerate. And we were supposed to be rehearsing he got his little, um, his little dime bag with some weed and says, hey, you want, you want some of this stuff? I says, no, nah, you can knock yourself out. Brothers and sisters, the music was so loud. I told him, listen, I, I got to go. I got to go. When I left that basement, my ears were ringing. I couldn't hear the cars that were about. And uh, the next day when I met him in school, I went in a different direction altogether. I says, no, nah, this, is, this is madness. They used to invite me to go uh, with them driving and says, hey, you want to get wasted? I got like a 12-pack in the back of my car. You want to go out with us and get wasted? I says, wasted. And I'm thinking, well, why would, why would someone want to drink to the point where they're going to be wasted? I want to thank the Most High for protecting me. I never got myself involved in drinking. Never got myself involved in smoking weed, drugs or anything like that, was never fascinated with following those types of crowds. I tell you, I, the most I was protecting me because if I wanted to be um, going that track with fame and fortune, I probably would have joined these bands and stuff and have lost my own soul. 
But, you know, it was just interesting to see how these people were always fascinated. And I'm telling you, I was around these people in high school. And I saw how they behaved themselves. And I saw how they glorified death. They always were fascinated with death. So if someone has something else to say about it, I would love to hear what your thoughts on that. But that's what I saw. And um, it was just pretty interesting. Let me give you an example. How many of you all are familiar with this band called The Grateful Dead? The Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead. Okay, so some of you all are familiar with The Grateful Dead. Now let's look at the use of the name because sometimes, you know, you see these guys come up with names of bands and stuff and you're scratching your head. Well, who would name, who would come up with a name like Grateful Dead? Well, this is what Wikipedia have to say about the group. It says the name Grateful Dead was chosen from a dictionary. According to Phil Lesh in his autobiography, page 62, Jerry Garcia, picked up an old Britannica world language dictionary and that silvery elf voice, hmm, elf voice, huh? He said to me, hey man, how about the Grateful Dead? The definition there was, quote, the soul of a dead person or his angel. The soul of a dead person or his angel showing gratitude to someone who as an act of charity, arranged their burial, end quote. Arranged their burial. Sounds like, <laughs> that's right, Brother O'Shea, foolish heathens. <laughs> um, so they, um, it says, uh, author Sandy Troy states that the band was smoking the psychedelic DMT at the time. The term Grateful Dead appears in folk, folk tales of a variety of cultures. I'm sure it is part of the European folklore. And uh, brothers and sisters, you can see where these names are coming from. It's just uh, this connection with Satan. Like, like Jubilee says, there are certain spirits that is connected with these people, and they don't even realize, they don't know. It's, it's just part of their culture, is what they do. It's normal for them. Uh, when things are normal for certain people, you can't really question them. If you question them, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Uh, we don't see anything wrong with that. They just love this kind of, of stuff. But for us, it doesn't make any sense. So what do we do? We just have to keep it moving. Now, let me share this with you all. Now, so Slate Magazine is asking or looking into how rock and roll became white. Because back in the old days, now you see the Rolling Stones here? Okay. When you go into the history of so-called rock and roll, it was called nigger music at first. Everybody knows, historically speaking, that so-called rock and roll music was put together uh, by our people who were being oppressed and sought ways to entertain themselves. But it wasn't this mad type of stuff that we see today. 
Um, it was a way to kind of um, blow off some steam and and uh, also entice, you know, the young Hebrew sisters and stuff with um, love songs and whatnot. And so when you read this article, I don't have time to go through it because it's pretty long. You can see how all of these white, young white peoples, especially in Europe, but right here in America, was fascinated with our culture. They stole a lot of the ways that we played the music, and they just sped it up. So if we played ding, 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 or like Chuck Berry or uh, Fats Dominoes playing Blueberry Hill, you know, just playing it really slow and whatnot, they took that thing and they started banging away. Ding, 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 ding. Little Richard is playing his stuff just, you know, with a nice pace and whatnot. They just took the piano and started wrecking the piano. The guitar started bashing the guitar on the floors. <laughs> I mean, you got to read this article. It's pretty long, like I said. You got Jimi Hendrix that used to play the guitar left-handed. Left and his style was so fascinated that um, a lot of the uh, Gentiles took his style of playing and they started to add, uh, I mean, we know that at, th at this particular time, a lot of Hebrews were already going off. But the Gentiles took it to another level, Mishpika, another level. They added Satan into the thing so well. I mean, they're already connected to that point with Satanism that it was easy for Satan to come on in. Once they took over it, it became something totally different. Now the white supremacist peoples are into what you call death metal. Death metal music. Goth rock. And all of these satanic stuff. How did the music move from Chuck Berry, Fats Domino, the Four Tops, and all these other people, what do you call it, R&B, rock and roll, or whatever, from back in the day, to something where people are glorifying death? How did that happen? Huh? How did this thing happen, brothers and sisters? So now you got these guys like the Rolling Stones who stole the, the term from Papa was a Rolling Stone, something that a Hebrew had coined, and took that term and called himself the Rolling Stones. This sodomite guy twerking and running across the stage, glorified uh, Satan. He, he was protected by the Hell's Angels. I don't know if you all know about the Hell's Angels. The Hell's Angels is a bike group that is fascinated with Satan. And so the Hell's Angels protected that particular group when they travel throughout the U.S. So the demons found another place to resurrect wickedness in this earth. So here you got Muddy Waters. You know, playing the guitar a certain way with rhythm and whatnot. And so these young Gentiles were so fascinated. They stole all the ideas of playing music, and they just went into a different direction altogether. The Rolling Stones went over to Haiti just to learn 
things about voodoo, recorded some different things with voodoo, and took it back to their recording studios, and they created an album called Goat Head Soup. <laughs> Goat Head Soup, all kinds of wicked stuff. And so America from that time until now has found themselves uh, just involved in Satanism to another level. And this is why you have all this madness like you see here. You would never see Muddy Waters and these guys putting out things like this with a skull, a zombie, with a hatchet, and all of this crazy stuff, brothers and sisters, it's part of their culture. All right, it's just simply part of their culture. So let's move on. Let's move on. I want to go to Psalms chapter 10. And we're going to read from verses, we're going to read that chapter. It's not too long. So we're going to read this thing to see the mindset of the heathen. Why standest thou afar off, O Yahuwah? Mm -hmm. Why hast thou face? Why hast thou thyself in times of troubles? Read. The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. The Bible says that the wicked have persecuted the poor. How have they persecuted us? With all of their wicked ideologies, whether it's in the music, whether it's in their shows that they put out, their commercials, their medicines, their foods, everything that they put out, they have been glorifying evil, Satan. That's their devices. It's part of them. It's an extension of their psyche. It's part of their, their mindset, imagination. Verses 3. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. They boast of their heart's desire. So when you see their music, when you listen to it, you can see the madness that's in their music. When you watch their shows, they always inject wickedness. Okay? Go ahead and read. And blesses the covetous, uh -huh. whom the Lord abhorreth. The Most High hates this thing. Read. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after Yahuwah. Mm -hmm. God is not in all his thoughts. Does it say some of their thoughts? All of it. Now, what part of all don't we understand? If we read the Bible... And the Bible is telling us that the wicked peoples, that their mindset has no place for the Most High. And we look at the Bible, we just brush it aside, and we say, well, you know what? We want to go ahead and choose what we want. Don't be surprised when your offspring find themselves being seduced by wicked spirits. Let's continue on. Verses 5. His ways are always grievous. Uh-huh. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. Mm -hmm. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. Read. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved, uh -huh. for I shall never be in adversity. Who are the ones talking about being on the top food chain? I'm proud to be an American. I'm white. A Gentile woman actually told me to my face 
she's proud to be white, blonde, and whatnot. White privilege. I looked at her and smiled. Because I understand what the end of these people will be. She doesn't know. And in my heart, I said, you know what? This is your kingdom. Enjoy it while it lasts. This is your kingdom. Let's read on. Continue. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Now, when you look at these albums that the people put out, brothers and sisters, they stuff have so much cursing, glorifying of death. I don't know how anyone can allow their children to listen to this kind of stuff. You got T-shirts that glorify death, posters on the walls in their rooms. I don't know how they can put up with this kind of stuff. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. Mm -hmm. He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. His eyes are privately or secretly set against the poor. They don't regard the poor as anything whatsoever. I was looking at a news report where there are these Hebrew youngsters in the streets that have been making monies off of cleaning windows of cars that are passing by. They're not nasty, sloppy. These young men are dressed properly, and they're making good money, going about in the streets, cleaning windows and stuff. And the Gentiles don't like that so much. These rich Gentiles are saying, no, we, 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 we got to get the mayor to stop these young men from doing what they're doing. As a matter of fact, these young men are not paying taxes. They're just making the money. And they're saying that they want to take this money and try to help themselves and their parents and their community and whatnot. They're trying to do something for themselves, trying to make the most without having to go through a system. Yet the Gentiles are plotting to remove them. They conduct themselves with respect. And as a matter of fact, one of them said that we know that there are a couple of knuckleheads among us. We, we know this. But most of us out here are trying to do something positive for ourselves because we don't have the money. And I'm just paraphrasing, passed down like some of the heathen do. Let's read uh, verses 9. He lieth in wait secretly. As a lion in his den, uh -huh. he lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. Verses 10. He croucheth and humbleth himself, mm -hmm. that the poor may fall by his strong ones. So he come in and say, I'm for you guys. I'm here to help you all. Bible says to never trust your enemy. Don't trust them whatsoever. Because they're always plotting against the Most High's anointed ones. Let's read. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten. Mm -hmm. He hideth his face. He will never see it. Uh-huh. Arise, O Yahuwah, O Elohim. Lift up thine hand. Forget not the humble. Forget not the humble. Go ahead. Wherefore doeth the wicked con condemn God? Contempt Elohim. Read. He hath said in his heart, Thou wilt not require it. So the heathen is saying that there's no God, number one. And if there's a God, he doesn't care about these people. These are the lowlifes of society. Thou hast seen it, mm -hmm. for thou beholdest mischief and spite, to requite it with thy hand. Mm -hmm. The poor committeth himself unto thee, 
Thou art the helper of the fatherless. Hallelujah. Verses 15. Break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Mm -hmm. Seek out his wickedness till thou find none. It says to break, break their arms, destroy them. <laughs> now that doesn't sound like something that you hear in your church, but we're going to share with you all some stuff that's going on in the church. You just wait and see, Mishpaka. You will never believe it. You will never believe it. Yes, Brother O'Shea, I've seen, we have done a class showing how they got this uh, satanic shirts. Let's summon demons. Uh-huh. That's correct. So you saw that um, at the mall too, huh? That's amazing. Satanic uh, shirts. Sell your soul. Sell your soul t-shirts and stuff. Brother Miles says he saw the shirt at the... At, can you imagine you're going to the mall and you're seeing shirts that talk about... And, and you know what? Let them have it because you can see it's all Gentile children, all the blonde, redhead children and stuff that are in a pentagram. And um, they're showing a T-shirt where instead of a lemonade stand, it's a demonic sell your soul stand. Can you imagine that? These people are simply bent on evil. It's just in their DNA for some reason. Listen, I cannot explain it. I'm not here to explain that. You cannot explain something that you know nothing of. All I can do is just tell you that, listen, this is what I see. This is what I read in the Bible. This is how, you know, being around them in high school and seeing how they behave themselves. When I was around my own people, I didn't see this kind of stuff. I didn't see this kind of stuff. I know of young men who would, um, you know, have their little marijuana and stuff, but they never acted, come back and talk about, I'm going to kill this. I'm going to get wasted. I'm going to do this to somebody. They smoked their little weed. They laughed in the corner. And that was it. Never caused any harm to anybody. Never came to school and caused any fights with anyone. Now, I'm not saying that a Hebrew should be smoking weed because I don't condone that stuff. Marijuana is a useful herb for medicine. But if you're not sick, you shouldn't be taking <laughs> the medicines. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't be smoking it. You can take it as a tea. I've talked about that. You can eat it for uh, medicinal reasons, but not smoke it. Okay? And that's another uh, topic. But among the... Uh, the Gentiles, it's a whole nother level. It's a whole, what I have seen for my own eyes, especially being in, in, um, in the music industry back in the day, I've left that thing a long time ago. But just being around that culture and seeing how the people glorify stuff, it's always about death. Their T-shirts, the, the way that they dress, the way they carry themselves, both the men and the women. They would talk, I would hear these youngsters coming back to class talking about going to concerts that this guy would pass around a spit bucket. A spit bucket. And then when they pass it around, people would drink that stuff. They would pass it to the audience. How the guy would bite off the head of a bat. I mean, all kinds of nasty stuff that I would hear these youngsters talking about coming from these concerts. Let's continue reading. Read verses 15 one more time. 
Break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Mm -hmm. Seek out his wickedness till thou find none. Now, son, you have never heard me talk about that stuff, right? The spit buckets and passing that around? Okay. <laughs> but your father have seen some things, okay? And this is why we, you know, being out there and seeing what's going on in high school and other places in the world, you, you know, and knowing the truth, you want to keep your family far away from these people. And I'll share with you the same crazy stuff that's even in the church or the churches. And if the people in the churches who are setting up the so-called seminaries have that type of spirit, what do you think they'll be doing to you when they come around in the Caribbean or your places or in Africa or wherever it is, South America, talking about setting up churches, that same spirit goes with them too. Let's continue on. Verses um, 16. Yahuwah is king forever and ever. Uh -huh. The heathen are perished out of, his, out of his land. Read. O Elohim, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. Uh -huh. To judge the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may no more oppress. Now this is a prophetic prayer. And it's a cry asking the Most High to please, you have heard, please deliver us, please. Because we don't have too many places that we can go, Mishpaka. This article on the screen, the Dayton Shooter was the lead singer of a porno grind metal band. I have never heard such nonsense. But when you see how these people go out and they kill and the massacre people, and you go into their history, you can see that their mindset is bent on wickedness. Let's read. Read from, and you can see how these guys are dressed in women's attire. Women's attire with a ski mask over their heads. So the Dayton shooter was the lead singer. That's the guy in, I guess, the guy in white. I'm not sure which one it is. I guess he's the lead singer because he doesn't have anything else to do but to hold a microphone. The man who killed nine and injured 27 in a mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio, was a lead singer of a porno grind metal band, mm -hmm. a genre defined by its explicit subject matter and themes of gore and violence, mm -hmm. specifically sexual violence and necrophilia. Necrophilia. Necrophilia is having so-called sex, sexual relationships with the dead. You probably have seen people when you go to the supermarket, sometimes they work in the Walmarts, they work in um, your Home Depot and whatnot, and you have no idea that these people are so involved with wickedness, Mishpaka. Continue on. The gunman, identified as 24-year-old Connor Betts, was a member of Menstrual Munchies. Who names, who names their band Menstrual Munchies? Continue on. A three-person band that performed regularly in the Midwest death metal scene. Mm. 
recently appearing as one of the bands at the Summer Massacre 2 concert in Chicago on June 29th. Uh-huh. Porno grind is a subgenre of a fast and extreme kind of heavy metal called grindcore, which is known for its mostly dark, satirical themes of sexual violence and gore delivered for shock value. And they call it shock value, but that's not what it is because... If it was just simply shock of value, why would he go out and massacre people? Don't tell me that this stuff don't have an influence on the spirit of these people. Let's move on. Why, oh why? Why was the time selected by the Christian church to celebrate resurrection or life became associated and ordained to glorify death and gore? When the Jesus that they read about said something totally opposite, that's a question that puzzles me. You have the Christian church talking about All Saints Day. And that this is a season to celebrate resurrection of all the saints. Yet at the same time, when you look at the Messiah, you have never seen him glorify death or put out themes of gothic blood and gore and all these different things that you find the Christian church is doing. When you drive around some of these neighborhoods, you can see the churches have a whole parking lot filled with pumpkins and people are pulling up and buying their pumpkins to cut jack-o'-lanterns and whatnot. And these are supposed to be Christians who believe in quote-unquote, Jesus Christ. The book of John, chapter 10, we're going to read verses 9 to 10. Read for me, please. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and should go in and out and find pasture. Yeshua says, I am the door. If the people believe that Yeshua is the door, and if you come into his way, you're going to find life. How did they end up with themes of death? Where children, and not just in Christianity, but this whole Western civilization is claiming to be Christian. Because after all, Islam is waging war against the Christian West. Is that correct? So if Islam is waging war against the Christian West, what do we find in the so-called Christian West? We find the selling of themes of witchcraft. Halloween is the glorifying of the dead. Everything associated with murder, death, uh, rotten in flesh. You know, imagine people will send their children to arts and crafts festivities around this time of the year where they learn how to bake the most gory stuff. You're going to have sour patch worms. You're going to have snot from things oozing out from bodies or whatever, bacon pies and whatnot that has guts in it and whatnot. And people look at that as fun. And the children would sit around in their living rooms and watch Frankenstein and chopping people's bodies up and whatnot. And they would 
cover their homes with toilet paper and all kinds of crazy stuff in the yard. And they would say, oh, that's just fun for the children, something for them to do and whatnot. And they wonder what happens when the children, they can't sleep, the children has problems. Basically, as you all know very well, we have talked about this stuff. It's an open door. It's an invitation for demons to come in. Yeshua never opened up a door for a demon to come in. But the Christian church and this so-called Western Christian civilization has been opening doorways to glorify death. Let's read verses 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Mm -hmm. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So Yeshua is saying that I am come to bring life and to have life more abundantly, more life, not more death. You don't see, if they're saying this is all saints' day to resurrect and to show, to show resurrection of life and whatnot, then we should see pictures of, like it's springtime. You know, positive pictures everywhere. Now, who's going to have a problem with saying, let's spend the day celebrating life? Who's going to have a problem what having going out and says, you know what, let me do some good for my neighbor. But what we see is that, now think about this. When I used to work in the uh, corporate world, I had to ask permission from HR so I can celebrate the feast days. I had to go and ask permission because I go to work just as you see that I'm here, the same way. Go to work with my keep on my head, my head covering, my zitzits on my clothing and whatnot. And all of those things had to be done by permission from HR. But when Halloween comes around, there was no permission needed to dress up in the most gory attire possible. You didn't have to ask permission for that. They simply put it out. You see the HR people will go out and decorate the halls and put their different things. And they will tell you, we're going to have a little competition to see who's going to have the best looking costume. Brothers and sisters, we find that is a certain level of hypocrisy because why do they make the righteous seems like, um, like a criminal? And criminal seems righteous. The people are bent on doing evil. Let's read Proverbs 8 and 36. What does it say? But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. It's very clear. It's crystal clear. The people that hate the Most High, they love death. If you got to go and ask to be excused so you can celebrate life, that means that the people that you work for and all of society hate the Most High. There's no way around it, Mishpaka. It's just part of their DNA. If you have to explain what life is all about, there is something wrong with the people around you. If you have to try to teach people that this stuff is a doorway for death, this is not fun and games, that there is a true spiritual world, that we're dealing with. You have to go through all of these explanations and something is wrong with that society. This is why 
we had to read Jubilees chapter 15, Mishpacha. So you would understand that there's a, there are spirits that lead these people away. And when the Most High told Israel, don't be associated with these nations, I pulled you out from among these people and put you under your own government so that you can have peace. He was trying to protect us. And now we have to go and explain to these nations who we are and why we are so different from the rest of them. When we didn't have to go through all that in our own place, and now we're trying to form our own communities, you have a bunch of knucklehead Hebrews who are always having contention among each other. They're always fighting with each other. They're always fighting. You, you know, we are trying to form a little sanctuary among our people, and we have a problem. We want to buy land, but when you buy the land, this Hebrew is going to fight with that Hebrew. What's the sense of buying land? This one is in bed with this other brother's wife. What's the sense of buying land? This child wants to go back into the world. So who are you going to pass your inheritance on to? It doesn't make any sense, but that's the reality of it. You have to continually try to keep the people in line. When we should automatically understand there's a difference between Israel and the rest of the world. It should be something natural. Because for them, it's natural to celebrate death. It's natural for them to have names like Grateful Dead, ACDC, Kiss, and all kinds of crazy names. When we play rock and roll back in the day, it was easy going. Now these people are ching, 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 banging their head, spitting in buckets, biting bats' heads off, <laughs> running around naked. They have no problem with that. They're screaming the music. Brothers and sisters, there's something wrong with these people. But this is who they are. They glorify death. Let's move on. Yeshua freed a man from being a mummy, but the church, they go out and make people to dress up as mummies. Let's go to the book of John, chapter 11. We're going to read from verses 1 and see what the book is saying versus what these people are doing. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Mm -hmm. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. So it was that Mary who did this job. Go ahead. Whose brother Lazarus was sick. Uh-huh. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. So, you know, the girls were concerned about their brother being sick and wanted to save, save him, bring him back from dying, right? Read on. When Yeshua heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, mm -hmm. but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Mm-hmm. Now Yeshua loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Mm -hmm. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Notice that Yeshua was very patient, and he was trying to teach Israel about patience and who he is. Okay? He was trying to teach them a lesson. Read. Then after that saith he to his disciples, mm -hmm. Let us go into, into Judea again. Read. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? You're going back to the same place where Israel want to stone you? <laughs> Yeshua answered, uh -huh. 
Are there not twelve hours in the day? Uh-huh. If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. Hallelujah. Read. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. So let's talk about Halloween. They usually start like during the day because they don't seem to get enough of Halloween. So they start actually early, like last month. You start seeing all the stuff coming out in the supermarkets. They rearrange all the shelves. They put out costumes so you can buy all this stuff early. You start seeing all of these commercials and TV and all of this foods and stuff that is made, chocolates and corn candies and you name it, is going in full production. And then when October shows up, they start pushing this thing even more and more, okay? And you find that people are setting up their clubs and whatnot so that they can have these celebrations at night. It's all about the night worship stuff, right? But during the day, you know, we want to make it safe for the little kitties and stuff. They call them kids for a reason because kids comes from goats, our king calls us sheep, lambs. Let's continue on. Verses 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. So in the, in the Hebrew culture and mindset, death is just simply sleeping. Death is not the way that the Gentiles look at it. For Hebrews, we are only resting. That's all it is. Okay? Verses 12. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Everything is going to be good with him. If he's sleeping, right? Continue on. Howbeit Yeshua spake of his death. Uh-huh. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. <laughs> Read on. Then said Yeshua unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus has already died. Okay? Continue on. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So he's saying, I am glad that I wasn't there when he died. And the reason why I'm glad is because I want you all to see something special happen. I want you all to really believe who I am. Okay? He was trying their faith. Continue on. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So even back then, we had a Hebrew named Didi. <laughs> Didymus. <laughs> Read on. Then when Yeshua came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. He was already dead for four days. Read. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem about 15 furlongs off. Mm -hmm. And many other Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Yeshua was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Mm -hmm. Then said Martha unto Yeshua, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Mm -hmm. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Hallelujah. That's faith, Mishpaka. And it's so good to see that he, he allowed us to have him because he wanted to set us up. He wanted to leave a record behind so we can have hope and not glorify death and not be fascinated with death and gore and all that crazy stuff. But to think on life, life itself, 
okay, and life more abundantly. Read on. Yeshua saith unto her, mm -hmm. Thy brother shall rise again. Hallelujah. Read. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So all Israel knew about resurrection and the last day. We knew about these things, right? Continue on. Yeshua said unto her, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Forget about the last day. As far as resurrection is concerned, I can do that anytime I feel like. You don't have to wait for the last day or for whatever. I can do this thing right now. I am the resurrection. Continue on. And the life. And the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Hallelujah. Read. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Mm -hmm. Believest thou this? Do you believe this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art, art the Messiah, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Hallelujah. Read. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The master is come and calleth for thee. Mm -hmm. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. So now this other sister uh, came to meet with the Messiah and was having conversations. Go ahead. Now Yeshua was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. Mm -hmm. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, had comfort and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Now, the, between the two sisters, Mary and Martha, which, which of the two spent time sitting and listening to the Torah? It was who? Mary. But while Mary was there spending her time listening to the Torah, and Martha was going about cleaning the dishes, we're going to see something a little different here. Because you see, the one who was washing the dishes, right, said, listen, I believe. And the one who was listening at the time had a little issue here. She had to be brought up to speed. So let's see what, um, what happened. Go ahead and read. Then when Mary was come where Yeshua was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, uh -huh. saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Read. When Yeshua therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. It hurt him. It hurt his heart because Lazarus was a really good person. When you see there's a Hebrew who has so much life and he's given life, he's doing so much for the people. It really hurts when that person is gone. That's why it's always important to appreciate the good things when you have it around you. Continue on. And said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Come and see. Yeshua wept. So this is a famous verse. John eleven thirty five. Everybody knows this. Jesus wept. He cried. And let's see why. Continue on. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Mm -hmm. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Imagine that. Read. Yeshua therefore again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Yeshua said, Take ye away this stone. Martha, the, Martha, the sister of him, that was, of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. So Yeshua says, Listen, roll away the stone. 
And Martyr is saying, listen, by this time, this guy is already rotting, for he had been dead four days. His body is already decaying. But Yeshua wanted to prove something, okay, that he can reconstitute, he can put back together, he can put life back into this person. Verses 40. Yeshua saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God? <laughs> Read. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Yeshua lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. That's how we ought to pray. You notice how he starts off by thanking the Most High for hearing the voice because why? He believed. He wanted to do this publicly so that we can also exercise that level of faith to believe that when we come before the Most High, we say, I believe. Thank you, Father. You have heard me. Continue on, verses 42. And I knew that thou hearest me always, mm -hmm. but because of the people which stand by us, by standby, I said it, that they mayst believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Mm -hmm. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, mm -hmm. and his face was bound about with a napkin. Yeshua said unto them, Loose him and let him go. So Yeshua was in the business of not making mummies, but bringing people back and bringing life into them and removing all that stupid stuff off of him, that carnal stuff off of him. But what do we find in churchianity? Let's dress up as a mummy. Let's wrap all this stuff up. No, that's a very bad representation of our Messiah. How can you talk about, well, we're not celebrating for death. We're just remembering all saints day and life resurrection. Is that how you're supposed to celebrate it? By wrapping stuff around you and going begging at doors? Dressing as vampires? Come on now. Let's move on. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Yeshua did believed on him. Hallelujah. So we saw how in John 11 that Yeshua came to free us from being mummies. Also, Yeshua freed a man from being demon-possessed. But in our day and age, people are having their children dressed up as demons, goblins, imps, what else? Um, elves, everything that is demonic and demon-possessed, and sending them out there to do all kinds of crazy stuff. Let's look at Mark chapter 5 and verses 1. And they came over onto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, mm -hmm. who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Mm -hmm. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Now I wonder why he was doing this. 
He was cutting himself because he was trying to get rid of the spirits that were torturing him. This is a man that needed help. Why would someone want to dress up and mimic and put on movies and get themselves into the spirit of Halloween? Knowing full well that once a demon or demons get into your body, this will be the result of your life. Trying to get yourself free from these demons. Whereas in our world today, people are glorifying demonic culture or making a culture out of Satanism. Let's read on verse 6. But when he saw Yeshua afar off, he ran and worshipped him mm -hmm. and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Yeshua, thou son of the most high Elohim? I adjure thee by Elohim that thou torment me not. Read. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Did he say, Stay in there? No. And you'll be all right? No. He says, Come out. Okay, read on. And he asked him, What is thy name? Mm -hmm. And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Hmm. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now that demon spoke with one voice. Continue on. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine. No, sheep. Swine. Swine. Feeding. Wait a minute. What is swine doing in, in Israel? Now I want you all to think about that, Mishpika, because at the time, who occupied Israel? The Romans. The Romans, that's correct, the Romans. So if the Romans, who are heathen Gentiles, are occupying Jerusalem or Judea, what do you think they're going to eat as foods? Pigs. That's right, the Greeks were there too. But that's the kind of food that these heathen eat. Israelites did not go around feeding swine, having herds of swine. Okay? Let's continue on. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Now, I'm sure the devils knew that there were sheep close by, too. <laughs> but don't you think that swine was a good match for the devils? It represented them? Absolutely, Mishpaka. Huh? But in churchianity, during Easter time and Christmas time, swine is the main course. Not lamb. Swine. Honey hams. Okay, continue on. And forthwith Yeshua gave them leave. Uh-huh. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran um, violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Even the poor pigs could not deal with demons themselves. The Bible says the herd ran violently. So if we embrace a culture of death, what do we expect for ourselves? Death. What did the, uh, the pigs do to free themselves from the demons? They ran right into the water. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city uh -huh. and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. 
And they came to Yeshua and see him that was possessed with the devil mm -hmm. and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Mm. And they were afraid for they, um, for they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. Mm -hmm. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Mm. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Mm -hmm. Howbeit Yeshua suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to your friends. No, go trick-or-treating. Go home to your friends. Go home to your friends. And tell them how great thing Adonai have done for thee mm -hmm. and have had compassion on thee. All right, that's all we need from that. Brothers and sisters, you can see clearly that there was no glorifying of demon possession. It was a very serious thing. Now, Yeshua freed a bloody woman from her infirmities, but yet you got people who are glorifying gore of blood and death by having blood all over their clothes and makeup with blood and moving around doing trick-or-treats or going to clubs going to workplace, you name it. Let's look at Luke chapter 8, and let's see the history of what Yeshua did versus what churchianity and other people are doing. Verses 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, mm -hmm. which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue was of blood, stenched mm. and Yeshua said who touched me so this lady had a bleeding situation for 12 long years and she spent all her money trying to get healed and she came and she touched the garment the border of Yeshua's clothing her blood flow had stopped uh, verses 45 and Yeshua said who touched me when all denied Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou who touched me? Mm -hmm. And Yeshua said, Somebody have touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. Mm -hmm. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace. All right, that's all we need. So we can see that Yeshua was doing something good, whereas instead of trying to remove gore, the people are putting gore upon themselves, which is completely different from the, the way of the Most High. Even in the cartoons, brothers and sisters, I'm not sure if you all are familiar with this. This is a show called Futurama. It's an American animated science fiction sitcom created back in March 28, 1999 uh, by Matt Gronin. <laughs> what a name. Um, on Fox. Now, Fox TV or Fox News or Fox supposed to be the conservative set of people, right? Uh, the brothers and sisters, these people are not conservative at all. As a matter of fact, the term Fox itself should be 
a red flag so you'll know that no, something is definitely wrong with these people. Sly Fox, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And you can see in this picture with this cartoon that the robot is in this pentagram thing with the goat head and all the people are dressed up in this, um, and these are the cast, these are the people of the cast for this sitcom. And they're all dressed up in these druid type robes and stuff going through this uh, conjuring of a demon, okay? The same people who were involved in doing Futurama, the show, is also involved in The Simpsons. The Simpsons, which is also another sitcom who were created by the same Gronin, and another person was involved in that. Now, um, you can see on the screen, again, they're glorifying <clears throat> death. Uh, in the far left, you can see a picture of the Rolling Stone symbol of the tongue coming out of the mouth. Mick Jagger's tongue, Mishpaka. You can barely see it, but it's there next to these irons. See the irons right here in the bottom? And you see this, this is a picture of a tongue in a, uh, a frame, okay? You can see Christmas lights over in the far right. Down below, there's a sign that says, or a picture or something that says, life in hell or something like that. 666 and all this gory stuff with candles around and the same demonic thing. And the devil showed up and grabbed these people because they were conjuring up a spirit. What fellowship does light have to do with darkness, Mishpika? Since the people love to glorify death, I want you to read this article. This is important because you're going to see when they made that movie called The Exorcist, all kinds of stuff happened to the people who acted in that movie. Almost 50 years since the release of The Exorcist, actors and experts continued to weigh in on the strange and uncanny events that surrounded and continued to surround the film. Mm -hmm. Linda Blair, who played the 1973 film's possessed lead character, 12-year-old Regan, recalled a number of eerie incidents for E! True Hollywood News this week. Blair remembers feeling challenged by the physicality of the role, which caused her to fracture her lower back. That means demons were... Um, working on her body, just like the guy that was possessed, where he was feeling this pain and he was cutting himself. The demons was on her. Go ahead. Especially unsettling was a fire that tore through the movie set midway through filming. I nearly demolished it. Mm -hmm. Oddly, the only portion left intact was Reagan's bedroom, mm. the site of her possession in the movie. Interesting. Interesting. There she goes right there. Other creepy incidents were kept from Blair at the time. To avoid her becoming frightened. Mm -hmm. Alan Burstein, who played Reagan's mother, claimed that several people associated with the film died during production. Mm -hmm. Actor Jack McGowan, who played the alcoholic director Burke Dennings in The Exorcist, died from a heart attack related to a case of the flu shortly after completing his work on set. Mm. Read on. Vasiliki Maliaros who appeared as F.R. 
I guess. Uh, Father Damien. Father, yeah, Father Damien. Imagine a priest was called a demon, huh? Father Demon. <laughs> Go ahead. Damien Karras' mother uh -huh. also died during post-production from natural causes at age 89. Well, he lived a ripe old age. Continue on. Linda Blair's grandfather and actor Max von Sindow, Max von Sindow's brother, died during filming. Mm. The son of Mercedes McCambridge, who voiced the demon, murdered his wife and two daughters before taking his own life after being accused of fraud in November of 1987. So it looks like the devils were cleaning up things, huh? Imagine that guy was acting as the voice of the devil and expect no, nothing is going to happen to him. Turn around, kill his family, and then committed suicide. Continue on. An extra in the film, Paul Bateson, Bateson. Bateson, I guess. Mm -hmm. A real-life x-ray technician at NYU Medical Center was found guilty in 1979 of the murder of film critic Addison Verrill, who, whom he stabbed in the heart. Mm. Bateson has also been accused of the murder of several other people. Imagine that. When you dabble with Satan, what do you expect to find? Death. When you follow after this stuff, that's what you're going to find. Death. Continue on. Concerns about the subject matter and the mysterious events led the production to enlist a priest to bless the set during the filming. So the people knew what they were getting into was so demonic that they had to get a priest just to clear the set from any demon activity, right? Did that work? No. It says the film itself is based on real life. Let's read a little bit more, and then we're going to move on. The true story of The Exorcist harkens to the late 1940s when a 13-year-old boy, often referred to as Roland Doe, mourned the loss of his aunt, Harriet, mm -hmm. a spiritualist who had schooled him in things occult, including how to use a Ouija board. Mm -hmm. Shortly after his aunt's death, Roland began to hear scratching sounds coming from the floors and walls of his room, mm -hmm. and his mattress would in inexplicably shake. Imagine that. That's all we need from that. So these people who film these movies and whatnot, who make these things, Mishpaka, all kinds of demonic activity starts to arise. This is why we are supposed to be very careful with our children. What they bring home, who they talk to. And today's world, you have this connection with the Internet. A lot of times, well, first of all, the Internet is something that goes on 24-7. It's not something that, like back in the old days when you watch TV, when midnight comes, you have the Pledge of Allegiance come on, and then all of a sudden you get the little beam, beep. You know TV was over. Now with cable TV, with the Internet, you have this cycle that is nonstop. Just keep going, going, going. And the children have access. They don't have any limits. They're always wired into this stuff. And that's what we have to be careful of, Mishpaka. I just want you all to see this thing. People think that the movies are nothing but just simple fun and games and just, you know, trying to scare people and have fun scaring people. The people who acted in those movies died. The devils were coming after them. And if the set was based on real witchcraft, real scenarios, Mishpaka, 
When you put on your TV and you play those particular movies and stuff, guess what happens? They open doors for satanic activities in your home. So we got to be very, very careful. All right, let's move on. Now I want to cover a brief history of the haunted house. And I'm going to share some stuff with you all that is amazing. So first of all, let's cover the haunted house. As you know, this time of the year, you have people who go to these haunted houses, spend their money to scare someone or to scare themselves or to see how much they can tolerate or to be fascinated with just seeing death, blood, all kinds of different things, all kinds of crazy stuff. People, as you can see on the screen here, people are lining up outside to go to a so-called haunted house. I remember driving by a certain neighborhood, and this particular house is always, there's always some Dracula or something, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there's always some uh, demonic theme thing around that house. And when Halloween comes up, they got the biggest setup for trick-or-treat. Nowadays, people can go to Walmart and buy a light, right? Program that thing and put it on the lawn. And at nighttime, the light will come on and cover the whole house in Halloween. During the day, you can shut it off. At nighttime, you can set the theme. Because the people glorify death. Let's read this brief history of the haunted house. This is from smithsonian.com. How Walt Disney inspired the world's scariest Halloween tradition. Walt Disney, Mishpaka. Take a look at this. The hat box. Uh, hat box ghost is one of the most beloved attractions in Disneyland. Disneyland. Haunted Mansion. All right, let's read a little bit about the history. We'll skip through a few things. Let me make it as big as possible. All right, here we go. The scariest haunted house of 2017 is a giant walkthrough attraction located in the former Georgia Antique Center in the outskirts of Atlanta, mm -hmm. named it Netherworld. It features 3D special effects, aerial performers, and, of course, Flesh-eating clowns. Flesh-eating clowns. Netherworld, fr Netherworld frightens so effectively, so inescapably, that people with heart conditions are warned against buying tickets. See that? They know that this thing can cause heart attacks. Continue on. This is what a haunted house is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. They exist to scare people. Glorifying death, Read. The idea behind haunted houses is not new, of course. Uh -huh. People have been... People have entertained themselves with spooky stories for centuries. Mm -hmm. But haunted houses are different because they are inseparable from the holiday that vaulted them to cultural prominence. Mm -hmm. The tradition would not exist without Halloween. Halloween would not be the same without it. Mm -hmm. The origins of the haunted house date back into 19th century London. 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 That sounds like Gentile territory to me. Read. When a series of illusions and attractions introduced the public to new forms of gruesome entertainment. Gruesome 
entertainment, being entertained, fascinated with death. Read on. In 1802, Mary Tussaud, I guess, mm-hmm. scandalized British audiences with an exhibition of, of wax sculptures of decapitated French figures. Decapitation. Headless peoples. Go ahead. Including King Louis, Continue quickly. Mary Antoinette, Marat, and Robespierre. Uh-huh. Tossed's likelinesses were remarkably accurate. And with good reason, she created death masks of the French Revolution's many guillotine victims. Mm. When she set up a permanent London exhibition, she dubbed her grotesque collection the Chamber of Horrors, a name that was stuck to the wax museum to this day. Imagine that. The people are so fascinated with death. Okay? With death. With death. Let me see if I want to read any more here. Um... Let's go ahead and read some more. At the turn of the 20th century, as Rebecca, yeah, Rebecca McKendry describes in Fangoria magazine, mm-hmm. the closest relatives to modern haunted houses began experimenting with macabre themes. Macabre themes. Go ahead. In Paris, the Grand Guignol Theater became notorious for its onstage depictions of graphic dismemberment. The theater's director, Max Maury, famously bo- boasted that he judged each performance by the number of people who passed out. Imagine that. Graphic, graphic, and he's judging it based upon how many people are shocked to pass out. Okay? But why are the people going there to begin with? Because they have a fascination with death. Curiosity. Continue on. In 1915, an English fairground in Liphook uh-huh. de- debuted one of the first ghost houses, an early type of commercial horror attraction. Mm-hmm. The public appetite for horror was picking up. Lisa Morton, author of Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween, tells Smithsonian.com that Halloween-themed haunted houses first emerged during the Great Depression as American parents schemed up ways to distract young tricksters whose holiday pranks had escalated to property damage, vandalism, and harassment of strangers. Mm -hmm. They came in about the same time as Trick or Treat did, she says. Mm -hmm. Cities looked for ways to buy these kids off, essentially. Mm -hmm. Those first haunted houses were very primitive. Groups of families would decorate their basements and hold house-to-house parties. See that? Go ahead. Kids could spook themselves by traveling from basement to basement and experiencing different scary scenes. Mm -hmm. This 1937 party pamphlet describes how parents could also design trails of terror to spook their children. Trails of terror to do what to the children? To spook their children. Spook them. Go ahead. The effects may seem familiar to anyone who has ever been disappointed by a subpar scare. All right. So you can see how the people set up haunted houses that have ballrooms, for ghouls, birthday parties, Disney set up their stuff. I mean, making money, making money off of this stuff. Now, I want you to read this part for me. Evangelical Christians even made their own anti-Halloween attractions. This is interesting. We're going to see what that really means. (laughs) Go ahead. Jerry Falwell and Liberty University introduced one of the first 
Hell Houses in 1972. In 1972, Jerry Falwell at the university, supposedly Liberty, right, introduced the first Hell Houses. Hell Houses. So let's go into that. Hell Houses are haunted attractions typically run by evangelical Protestant Protestant churches. Prostitute churches. Go ahead. Or parachurch organization. False church, you might as well call them. Go ahead. They depict real-life situations which the organization in question deems as sin and its consequences. Uh-huh. The torments of the damned in Christian hell and usually conclude with a depiction of Christian heaven. Mm-hmm. Such depictions are sometimes shown to children to arouse fear mm-hmm. on matters interpreted as sinful in a fundamentalist Christian context. Read. Including, but not limited to, same-sex marriage, abortion, extramarital sex, raving, use of alcoholic beverages and drugs, and teen suicide. Mm -hmm. Other hell houses focus on the same theme of the seven deadly sins. Hell houses typically emphasize the belief that those who do not repent of their sins and choose to follow Christ are condemned to hell. A hell house, like a conventional haunted house attraction... Stop. What does that mean? A hell house, like a conventional haunted house attraction. That means it is no different from the regular haunted house. But the difference is that they're using scare tactics to cause people to accept Christ, Jesus. You understand what's going on? It's like Satan trying to cast out, scare the people to accept in him, right? Read on. Read it again, a hell house. A hell house, like a conventional haunted house attraction, is a limited space set aside for actors to frighten patrons with the gruesome exhibits and scenes Presented as a series of short vignettes with a narrated guide. Mm-hmm. Unlike haunted houses, hell houses focus on real-life situations and the effects of sin or the fate of unrepentant sin- sinners in the afterlife. They are most typically operated in the days preceding Halloween. So they precede Halloween. All right, Mishpaka, let's go to this article here. Six evangelical hell houses that will literally put the fear of God into you. This is from BuzzFeed. Let's take a look. Parishioners portray scenes depicting issues such as abortion, suicide, school shootings. Churches put up these hell houses with the goal of giving thrill seekers a chance to receive salvation. So let, let us scare the people into salvation. Number one, scare mirror. In Lynchburg, Virginia, you see that? Lynch, Lynchburg, Virginia, Scaremare. This is from a church. Scaremare is sponsored by the Center for Youth Ministries at the nearby Liberty University. Fridays and Saturdays can typically average between 2,000 to 4,000, so you'll want to get there early. Imagine that. I would just like to say that Scaremare is great. I think it is well worth the wait to get in. I would also like to thank all the volunteers for making it very scary and spooky for all to enjoy. They do a great job. 
Let's look at this quick video. Let me show you this house. <laughs> yes. Hey, did you guys see that? Any of you guys see that? See what? <laughs> That's a church, Mr. Picard, that's putting out this stuff. A church. Hell House, number two, Cedar Hill, Texas. Cedar Hill, Texas. Hell House 25, Trinity Church. This attraction was immortalized in 2002 documentary Hell House. Each year, the house gets over 10,000 people who watch seven morality plays. Hell House is always a good experience when we go in. That's what a um, youth minister had to say. Let me move on. Hell House, Tyler, Texas. Look at this. Look how the Christians are dressed up. This guy, this Gentile, has a gun in his mouth. And this person over here is dressed up as a devil. Can you imagine that? In the past, the church has presented scenes including a preacher officiating over a same-sex marriage and a high school football star committing suicide. No one under 12 is allowed. Hell House is an alternative to Halloween and an incredible, incredible outreach to the lost. <laughs> Number four, Judgment House. Judgment House in Alabama. See the preacher up here and the demons and all that stuff? Let's move on. Number five, Hell House, The Walking Dead in Powder Springs, Georgia. The Walking Dead, this is what the churches are putting out. Number six, Judgment House, White Pine, Tennessee. Look at this. But this is just going to show, Ms. Picard, how the people who call themselves the righteous is so fascinated with death. It's just in their nature. Whether they're in church or out of church, they must have a haunted house. They must have something to do with the devil. They took the pagan practice of Easter and Christmas and whatnot. They took those things, they baptized it with good and smooth words, and made it into something that is acceptable. We call it holidays or holy days, right? So white culture, white European Gentile culture, seems to be associated with suicide. They love the suicide themes, euthanasia. They love their guns. They love the horror shows. They love going to cemeteries, grave sites. As a matter of fact, that's what they do for career also. They love hunting, trophies and stuff. They also love stuff called human skin clothing. Human skin clothing. Now below on the screen, you can see that these people have a custom 
of hunting animals, cutting the heads off, getting the uh, the thing stuffed, okay, and putting that thing up like a trophy <laughs> on their living rooms. Now, I don't know of too many Hebrews who like to do this kind of stuff. Do you? Mishpaka, do you know of any Hebrews who have this tendency to go hunting, cut the head off the poor animal, and hang the animal up on the wall? If you see this thing within that house, <laughs> I, I would suspect that that is not a Hebrew. That's probably a Gentile. See, it's not part of our culture. We're not fascinated with death like this. Okay, let's get Sirach 12 and 3. Let's go to Sirach 12 and 3. As you can see, brothers and sisters, listen, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm just showing you the nature of the peoples and why the Most High said to us to stay away from these peoples. There can no good come to him that is always occupied in evil, mm -hmm. nor to him that giveth no alms. The first part is where I really want to stress on. Nothing good can come from a people that is always occupied in evil. When they go out, they have to manifest evil by preserving it on their, um, on their mantles, in their living rooms. They must go out and trick-or-treat. Everything for them is all about death. They love it. They love the wrestling, bashing people's brains open and seeing the blood fly all over the place on their chests, chainsaws, bleeding, you know, drinking blood, blood pudding, blood sausage, blood, 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 blood. Everything has to be bloody. Rare meats, that's right, skulls. What's wrong with these people? Even our people themselves are finding themselves involved in witchcraft. And in Baltimore, you're saying a lot of our sisters are leaving Christianity and going into um, covens. And I would like to advise our people to be mindful, to warn your children not to go out and be curious about these things. Because when you go into the doors of these people's homes, a spirit will be leaving and following you all the way home. Don't go and visit when people go into these things. But let me try to wrap it up by going to some words of wisdom. And we're going to go to the Pseudopigrapha, Testament of Levi. We're going to read chapter 13 and 14. And it gives us some understanding how we should survive in these last days. All right. So let's read. And now, my children, I command you, fear Yahuwah, your Elohim, with your whole heart mm -hmm. and walk according to his law in integrity. Uh -huh. Read. Teach your children letters also. Teach our children the scriptures also. So that they might have understanding throughout all their lives mm -hmm. as they ceaselessly read the law of Yahuwah. Okay. For everyone who knows the law of Yah shall be honored what, wherever he goes. Everyone who knows the law of Yahuwah 
shall be honored wherever he goes. He shall not be a stranger. Mm -hmm. He shall acquire many more friends than his parents. And many men will want to serve him and to hear the law from his mouth. Mm -hmm. Read on. Therefore, my sons, do righteousness on earth in order that you might find it in heaven. Sow good things in your souls, and you will find them in your lives. Mm -hmm. If you sow evil, you will reap every trouble and tribulation. Mm -hmm. Acquire wisdom in the fear of Yahuwah, because if a captivity occurs, if cities and territories are laid waste, if silver and gold and every possession are lost, nothing can take away the wisdom of the wise man except the blindness of impiety and the obtuseness. obtuseness of sin. So if we stay in the Torah, in the word of the Most High, and if we find ourselves in a captivity, because you know we will find ourselves like Daniel under certain captivities, right? He says to stay in the Torah. If you lose everything, nothing can take away the wisdom of the wise man. We got to stay in the word of our Elohim. Verses 8. For if anyone preserves himself from these evil deeds, uh -huh. his wisdom shall be glorious. Even among his opponents, mm -hmm. it will be found to be a homeland in a foreign territory and a friend in the midst of his enemies. Wisdom is going to preserve us among these heathen. Read on. Whoever teaches good things and practices them shall be enthroned with kings. Uh-huh. As was Joseph, my brother. Hallelujah. Let's read chapter 14. This is a warning. And now, my children, I know from the writings of Enoch that in the end time you will act impiously against Yahuwah, mm -hmm. setting your hands to every evil deed. Because of you, your brothers will be humiliated, uh -huh. and among all the nations you shall become the occasion for scorn. Because we have some knucklehead Hebrews. We're going to find ourselves in deep trouble, Mishpaka. Continue on. For your father Israel is pure with respect to all the imperities of the chief priests mm -hmm. who laid their hands on the Savior of the world. As heaven is pure above the earth, and you should be the light of Israel. The lights of Israel. Lights. Continue on. As the sun and the moon, mm -hmm. for what will all the nations do if you become darkened with impiety? So the nations of the world is waiting on us. If we join them in the foolishness, what light will they have? That's what the book is trying to tell us. Continue on. You will bring down a curse on our nation because you want to destroy the light of the law which was granted to you for the enlightenment of every man, mm -hmm. teaching commandments which are opposed to Yahuwah's just ordinances. So as the priests, the tribe of Levi, they had an obligation to be the light and to maintain this for the sake of the whole world. Okay, verses 5. You plunder Yahuwah's offerings. Mm -hmm. From his share, you steal choice parts. Mm. Mm -mm. Continue on. Contemptuously eating them with whores. Mm. Read. 
you teach Adonai's commandments out of greed for gain. Mm -hmm. Married women, you profane. Mm. You have intercourse with whores and adulteresses. You take Gentile women for your wives and your sexual relations. Mm -hmm. Will become like Sodom and Gomorrah. Read. You will be inflated with pride over your priesthood, exalting yourselves not merely by human standards, but contrary to the commandments of Yahuwah. Mm -hmm. With contempt and laughter, you will deride the sacred things. See that, Mishpaka? Now let's look at Asher chapter 7, the testament of Asher. Do not become like Sodom, mm -hmm. which did not recognize Yahuwah's angels and perish forever. For I know that you will sin and be delivered into the hands of your enemies. Your land shall be made desolate and your sanctuaries wholly polluted. Mm -hmm. You will be scattered to the four corners of the earth. In the um, dispersion, you shall be regarded as worthless. Isn't that true? Correct. He says, in the dispersion, in the scattering of Israel, we will be regarded, not might or maybe, as worthless. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Like useless water mm -hmm. until such time as the Most High visits the earth. Hallelujah. Really? He shall come as a man eating and drinking with human beings, a crushing the dragon's head in the water. He will save Israel and all the nations. Mm -hmm. Yahuwah speaking like a man, tell these things, my children, to your children, so that they will not disobey him. Mm -hmm. For I know that you will be thoroughly disobedient, that you will be thoroughly irre irreligious, hidden uh -huh. not, Yahuwah's law, but human commandments, being corrupted by evil. Mm -hmm. For this reason, you will be scattered like Dan and Gad, my brothers. You shall not know your own lands, tribes, or language. Imagine that. Isn't that true? We'll be scattered. We're not going to know our lands. We're not going to know our tribe or even our language. See that? But he will gather you in faith through his compassion and on account of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hallelujah. That's all we need. As a matter of fact, I forgot to show you all this thing. Let me share this with you all, too. You haven't seen this one. Here is the human skin clothing that the heathen love so much. Human skin clothing. Jackets, shoes. It's part of the fashion. Now, um, this picture over here, leather made from human skin. This is actual a, a real thing where this guy um, talked about how he has these really good shoes, this, this white Gentile, and it was made from the skin of a dead Hebrew slave. It says that African slaves were often killed for their skin to make human leather for shoes and clothing. I, I have the article, the actual article, but I don't have time to read it right now. But you can see this fascination with uh, death. The people will go out and manufacture bags. If you want to get a bag of human skin or something that is like human skin, bras, jackets, you name it, you can get it. And you can see these are all Gentiles that are wearing this stuff. Okay, all Gentiles, they love this stuff. 
Let's um, take a look at this article. Can you read for me? Navrok calculated as necropants. Necropants. Read. Literally, corpse breeches. Mm -hmm. As a pair of pants made from the skin of a dead man, which are believed in Icelandic witchcraft to be capable of producing an endless supply of money. It is unlikely these pants ever existed outside of folklore. Mm -hmm. But they actually found, they actually have one in a museum. You see that right here? Okay, this is, a, well, it says it's a replica, but that's what the people do. There's an actual article on the same thing. Okay, so again, family, these people are fascinated with death. They want to wear death on them. They want to go to these clubs, what we call haunted houses, to celebrate death. It seems to be something wrong with these people's um, mindset that it's, it's difficult to really explain, but it is what it is. It's just the way that the people are. And our people need to get out from this um, being around these people, uh, being fascinated with their culture. We have our own culture. We're not supposed to be uh, connected in, in the churches, get out of the churches. We need to set ourselves free completely from all that they do and, um, and return back to our book. So anyone uh, would like to go to a church haunted house? <laughs> no, Mishpaka. We are in the season of the witch, and we leave the witchcraft for the people of the world. We are supposed to be a set-apart people. Um, and, um, and don't go out and eat their candies. You may find this thing around the office. As a matter of fact, I would stay away from buying any type of candy this time of the year uh, or anything like that. You know, because these people are putting the stuff on the shelf just because of this particular time of the year. So I would definitely stay away from anything that's connected to this. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to stop here and let me see if we can get Elder to come on in and say shalom and to close out with a word of prayer. All right, Elder. So. What do you think about all this with the church's elder? Well, uh, what, I, what is a lot to say, um, teacher. You know, everything is there is showing it is for us, the people of Elohim, to do that which is right. Mm -hmm. The church is, um, is all in everything of the world. Hollywood is the church and all the wickedness, all the crimes, all, all, all the other things is, is the same thing. All Christianity is involved in that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Israel can be out on everything like that. No nothing to do with them. And you're you you are also familiar with uh, churches having pumpkins, which you could treat outside. Oh right? yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. This thing been been there for a long time. Yes, the people are fascinated with death, and many times our own people will feel left out if they don't send their children to participate in some of these things and, you know, go to the schools they feel the children feel like, you know, I'm left out if I don't go to school and do the, 
these different things. And this is why it's so important for us to homeschool our children, raise them up according to the ways of the Most High and not according to the ways of the heathen. Uh, it's difficult when we uh, structure our family life, we get married, we have children, and the way that we structure everything is based upon uh, income. So we want to get a big, big house, so let's get married. You work, I work. And so everybody is involved in work. No one takes care of the children. Uh, but in Israel, we're supposed to design everything around the family. So don't get too much of a house. Don't get too many things that will weigh your life down, that your children will become the sacrifice, because that's exactly what the devil wants. They want the children to be the sacrifice. You know, that they want true. the children to always pay the price of this thing. All right. Yeah, so. Elder, if yeah. you don't mind, can you close out with a word of prayer? Yes, let us pray, family. Mm-hmm. Our precious and eternal Father in heaven, we want to thank you again for the, for the service, for the teaching tonight from your servant. We thank you again very much for what you have placed in his heart and mind that he can impart it unto us. That today, those of us that didn't know, we know it today. That we can raise our children the right and proper way. So when Yeshua shall come to call his children home, all of us, Israel, and our children, our family, may have a resting home in Yahuwah's kingdom. I thank Heavenly Father so much to give him all the praise and all the blessing because we ask it to your Son, our Lord and Savior. And God's children everywhere say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Elder. So, Mish Pekal, with that said, we are going to stop here. I bid you all peace, shalom, and love. And may the Most High be with you, protect you, and keep you as we travel on these roads to Zion. And I will ask and encourage all of you all to please protect your little ones. If you see there's a lot of candy moving in your direction, know exactly what it's connected to. So with that says, I'll say Lila Tov, and most I be with you. Blessings to the whole house of Israel. Shalom, shalom, shalom.